least see the people that, that, they're, that they're touching with the gospel. And so I invite you to do that. You can go to our YouTube channel. It's just, just Carlos Chacon, Evangelist Carlos Chacon. And if you have my prayer card, you could see that. And, and so and then you'll see also about our tent ministry and things we've done in Mexico. And so uh, you, you can see that there. I want you to see, please, in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. So the Bible says in Matthew 9, 36, I'll read the scripture. You can look along silently. Matthew 9, 36, the Bible says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. And so I want to preach tonight on the subject, reaping the harvest, reaping the harvest. Let's bow our heads for prayer, please. Lord, thank you so much that we can be in your house. Thank you, dear God, for your goodness and your blessings. I pray that you'd bless tonight the teaching and the preaching of the word of God and help it to edify and build us up and to grow in faith. And help us to do more for the cause of Christ. And we thank you and we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Reaping the harvest. So Jesus is mentioning in this scripture where he's moved with compassion. Because he saw the multitudes. You know, what is compassion? Compassion, somebody once said that compassion is having their hurt in your heart. So maybe you and I don't have pain about anything, but it's having other people's pain, other people's hurt in your heart. And that's what Jesus, he looked upon the multitudes and he had compassion on them. And he was moved with compassion because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. You know, in our unique uh, mission field that we are reaching, uh, people have migrated. I'm talking about people have left that country uh, thousands and thousands of people they have come to America. We have them in our church in Illinois. We have new people there in, that are that are in our Spanish church in Illinois. They've come to America. They've, they're, they're in Mexico. They have a refugee camp in Mexico in the city of Monterey. There are just tons of people, thousands, just sitting around. And, you know, when they have that and when they do that, they don't have anything to do. They don't do anything. They just stay and wait and hope that somebody will have compassion and perhaps bring them food. And that's what, that's, that, that's what happens. That's, what, that's the way they live. And so we should have compassion on them because they fainted. The Bible says the Lord, he noticed them and they're, they're like a sheep with, with having no shepherd, no guidance, no counselor, no pastor, no spiritual leadership. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous. So this is ready and ripe for the harvest. Now, or maybe around here in this, this state, you might have farmers or farming or maybe even you yourself. And, and I come from, from Illinois where we have uh, just cornfields all, all around the state and just a, a farming you know, community and, and so forth. And uh, the, so you can see, especially about corn, you know, there's a time it's growing, it's growing, it's growing. But there's a time when you say it's ready. It's ripe and ready for the harvest. It needs to be harvested. It needs to be picked up. It needs to be uh, all harvested. And, and, uh, but there's a particular time. So I want you to understand the timing. And this is how God works in, in, around the world. You know, in missions... Every, every country has a great need, by the way. Even 
South Dakota, even the United States has a great need. So every country has a great need. Missionaries will come and say there's a great need in this country and there's a great need. And, and that's true. And every place has a great need for the gospel. And here in this text, it's saying the harvest is plenteous. It's talking about ready, ripe, and just abundantly ready for the harvest, but the labors are few. So this is talking about a location or a place where there's few workers, few laborers, very few people with such a big harvest and such a big field and just very few. So what he's, he says in verse 38, pray ye there for the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now, why, why would he have you to pray for that? He said, Lord, send laborers to your field, send laborers. Well, God wants to answer that prayer. God calls men. God sends preachers. The Bible says, how shall they preach except they be sent? The Bible talks about this. And so uh, the Lord calls people. He prepares them. He equips them. Not many wise, not many noble, the Bible says. Hey, I'm, I'm somebody, I, I was a bus kid. I was 15 years old when I was saved. I was in the inner city growing up in Chicago area in an inner city street gang culture just outside in the just, you know, just kind of a bad neighborhood and just, uh, that, that's my background and God saved me and God called me and by the grace of God. So I came to church. I was a bus kid. I, I, do, I do not come from a Christian family, but I, but I, I was a bus kid. So I came to church and the Lord called me. And so he calls people. He might call somebody from your church to go to the mission field. He might call somebody who's your child, might be your, your children one day. That he calls them to serve. And uh, he might call you. That's why also that's why he says to pray. Because if you pray and say Lord send somebody to this field to the harvest. To reap the harvest. The Lord might say well I think you have a good idea. Why don't you go. You see in some cases. In some cases the Lord might touch your heart. To go. And so uh, we have to be willing to say Lord here I am. Send me. And so this is why he says this, and he, and, and he does this here, so he's moved with compassion. And I want to share with you some principles about reaping the harvest, and let's, let's get a broad vision tonight. Let's get a broad scope and vision, kind of a panoramic approach, and let's look at God's agricultural plan to reap the harvest. So let, let's notice another text, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Notice, please, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 in the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want you to notice 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And so this is kind of a broad scope of the agricultural plan or illustration, if you will, for God to reap the harvest, which is referring to the Great Commission for God to save multitudes of souls in many nations. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, I have planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. So the Apostle Paul, when he says, I have planted, he's referring to, in missions, he's referring to as a missionary, he's talking about being a church planter. See, we call, we call missionaries, sometimes we call them church planters. So Paul is saying, I've planted churches. See, he's saying, I'm somebody that has started some churches. And that's what Paul, Paul did. He was a missionary also, church planner. So Paul's saying, I'm somebody I've started, I'm, I'm talking about from scratch. Gone somewhere, sow the seed of the word of God, preach the gospel, get, get people saved and baptized, 
and start a church. Paul did this uh, in Philippi. Uh, Paul did this in, uh, in Macedonia. He did this in Thessalonica. He did this in, in different places. Uh, he, he, he worked with Titus, he worked with Timothy, and he had a group, and he had men, and he, he would go back and forth and train some of them and leave some of them and take some of them and, and, and then go back and go back to Antioch. So Paul was a busy missionary, and he would also plant churches. So he says right here, I have planted churches, I've started churches. And then he says, Apollos, this is a different preacher. And Apollos, we can read about him in Acts chapter 19, and he says, Apollos watered. So Apollos... He's not a church planter, but he's somebody who waters the plant. I think it's referring to somebody who waters the, the church, somebody who refreshes the church by the teaching and the preaching of the word of God. And so I think it might be like a revival ministry, a revivalist speaker. It might be, might be somebody like Apollos. The Bible says he was mighty in the scriptures. The Bible says he was fervent in spirit. So he had the qualities and the characteristics to revive a church and to kind of refresh a church and to water the plant by the, the washing of the, uh, of the water of the word. And so Paul says, I have planted, Apollos has watered, and God has given the increase. In verse 7, he says, neither is he that planted anything or that watereth. So God says, uh, he's talking about they don't get the credit necessarily. It's not really their work. They're just participating in God's all-encompassing work of, of reaping the harvest. And so God is the one that brings the increase. He saves the souls. He touches people's hearts. He brings the conviction of the Holy Ghost. He, he gives the power of the Holy Spirit. So uh, in verse 8, now he that planted and he that watereth are one. This is very interesting. He says, listen, these two preachers are doing two different functions in the agricultural system of God, of, of reaping the harvest, they're doing two different functions, but these are one. Why? Because he's saying they're really working in for one purpose. They're really working for the Great Commission. Both of them. They might, they might plant, they might water, but in the end, you know, it's like you as a church body. You might come. Somebody here might might help in the cleaning of the building and somebody else might drive the van route and somebody else might teach Sunday school. Somebody else might uh, be involved in music ministry and somebody handles a sound booth and somebody preaches and, and so forth. And so different people are doing different things in the church, but in the end, it's all for one purpose. And that purpose is to bring people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's to do the Great Commission. And so that's why it says these are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So God does not reward people according to their results. Uh, he does not reward people according to their results. He rewards people according to their faithfulness and their obedience to God's call in their life. And so it says uh, that he rewards them according to, to their own labor. If they were faithful, if they worked hard, if they tried uh, you know, to, to obey their calling. So we have planting and we have watering. I want you to notice something that Jesus said that is very similar to this, to this text. And this is found in John chapter 4. Notice with me. Go to John chapter 4. Look in the word of God in John chapter 4. I want you to notice where the Lord Jesus Christ said something very similar. And also something that is similar and also talking about the harvest. And this is found in... John chapter 4, notice please verse 34. 
The Bible says in John 4.34, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. I want you to notice that that's very interesting. Finish his work. So, verse 35, Say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true. One soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that wherein you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you entered into their labors. So the Lord is talking about the harvest and he's saying, listen, say not you, we're in the time right now of the harvest, of winning souls, of preaching the gospel. And he goes on to talk about it and he says, this is something that is interesting. He said, here it is a saying true. Uh, some sow and some reap. So sowing, what is sowing the seed? We have the parable of the sower. We have uh, some verses that talk about the, the seed is the word of God. So that means to preach the gospel or to, to sow the word of God. And that is a sowing ministry. I know some missionaries that are in, that are in mission fields. They won't see big results. They won't see big crowds. Uh, sometimes the culture may not allow for that. Sometimes they might have persecution. Sometimes they might, they might uh, have, have maybe the people, there's gospel-hardened countries. There are, there are gospel-hardened countries that are not going to be interested in the gospel. And so, uh, but, but somebody has to preach there. Somebody has to go there. People have to obey God's calling and still go. And so they sow the word of God. And so it might be, a different generation that sees revival. It may not be their generation, but it might be a different generation. You see, but somebody has to do the sowing of the word of God. So that is a sowing. Sowing ministries like this could be very slow, could be very discouraging. I think people like some of the great missionaries like, like William Carey that didn't see anybody saved for the first seven years. People like that, people like Adoniram Judson who translated the Bible. And these were Bible translators. These were, these were sowing ministries and sowing missionaries who had very little results that would be discouraging. And even you could even wonder, why is it worth it for somebody to be there and do that? But they were obedient to God's call to do the sowing ministry. You see, so some missionaries have, are called to, to do the sowing ministry. But it also says that uh, some, some reap, and some reap the harvest. This is, this is kind of at the end where, where I was saying that it's ripe, it's ready. All the work has been done. There has already been sowing. The sowing has been done. The planting has been done. The watering has been done. And it is ripe and ready to reap the harvest. And so the Lord said, uh, some sow, some reap. And then he says... Um, he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Why? Because they're working for the same purpose. They're working together for the Great Commission. They're working together for the all-encompassing work of God. They're working for the same boss. He's the Lord of the harvest. You see? So he that sows and he that reaps, they should rejoice together. And also, likewise, those that give to missions could rejoice together with the missionaries. And, and these are one. And so, so there's something similar when it says these are one. Well, here it says they're going to rejoice together. Why? Because they're, they're one. 
They're, they're working for one purpose. And he says, herein is a saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that wherein you bestowed no labor. Now, when I go to Venezuela, American missionaries were there. They were there legally. They were there many, many years uh, ago and, and have started churches. Some missionaries have retired now. They're in retirement age. Some missionaries, uh, maybe they died and, and pa- passed away. Some missionaries are in heaven. Some missionaries, but they started good, solid churches. They, they trained national pastors, Venezuelan pastors. They, they built buildings. And so they have sowed. They have, they have planted. They have watered. And now, with all of the things that have befallen that country, now it is ripe for the harvest. It's like when the corn is ready and you see, you say, it's ready. We got a lot of work to do. And so now that's the way that it is. But the farmers and the workers and the laborers are not there. And so the Lord says, pray for laborers. And and, uh, now he says here, you're going in there to reap. He's, tell, he's telling the disciples. The context is they're in Samaria. This is John chapter 4 where they talked to the Samaritan woman. She went to tell everybody. Everybody came, heard, heard the gospel from, from the Lord himself. And, and they got saved in this big revival with the Samaritans. And the disciples are maybe kind of thinking, wow, um, we're pretty good. We're pretty good at reaching people. You know, probably they, they thought, well, we've done a great job, Lord. We're, we're getting a good result here. And we got the whole town to come out and hear us, hear us teach and preach and to hear you and everything. And we're getting a lot of people saved. And the Lord was trying to show them a lesson and teach them a lesson. He's saying, listen, uh, I'm sending you to reap, but you're just really finishing the job. Somebody else started the job. Somebody else sowed and planted and watered. Now, I personally think he's... He's referring to John the Baptist because the Bible says that John the Baptist prepared the way for the Lord and preached. I think he's talking about John the Baptist. The Bible tells us in John chapter 2 or chapter 3 and and, and chapter 4 talks about where John was baptizing very, very close to Samaria, only four miles away. So either they came to hear him somehow, maybe he went there, but he was close by. So I think it's referring to John the Baptist. He prepared the way he did the sowing, if you will. And now... There's reaping of the harvest, you see. So Jesus is saying, I'm I'm sending you to enter into the labors of others. Now, what happens if we don't finish the job? Remember how it started? He said, I got to finish the job. See, John the Baptist started, started the job, started the ministry, started preaching, started announcing the the gospel and so forth. But he says, now we got to come to this town and reap the harvest. Otherwise, the job is not going to be finished. Now, let me, let me share this thought with you. If we do not reap the harvest, it makes the sowing meaningless. The planting, the watering, it makes it mean, meaningless. Why are we going to do all this prep work, if you will, if we don't come through to finish the work? Which is what he said in the beginning. I, must, I, I need to go and finish the work. You see, so reaping the harvest... Is to finish the work. It's to go. And then, of course, we just start over again. You see, we continue to sow the word of God and continue to plant and water and so forth. So this is a a reaping ministry where people are getting saved. uh, And not not in every country it's like this. Maybe in the Philippines it's a, 
a lot of a lot of good crowds and people. Maybe maybe in Russia when uh, it was the '90s, you know, it talked about opening up and stuff, and and people went there, missionaries went there, and uh, so there are certain seasons where it's a reaping season in certain countries in certain places. There's other countries. It's just a, it seems to be a gospel hardened country. Which countries could be difficult and gospel hardened, and why are they so? gospel heart and we know that it could be sometimes because of materialism sometimes it's because they've already had a lot of truth maybe they've already had seasons of revivals in their history and and of course the now it's a different generation it's kind of like israel where the lord talks about blindness talks about blindness and maybe some of these countries they have they have hardness of heart and the lord the lord gives them a hardness of heart and so so you know there's some countries that are so hard to reach and there's some countries that are very open. And so this is a unique mission field that we are, we are talking about. When I went to the Amazon tribal village region, they have, this is, this is interior jungle by a river and so forth, by the Colombian River. And they are translating a Bible to their, to their tribal dialect, their language, that is very unique only to their villages. So the, this, this is modern missions, the way they're doing this. They don't have money for paper and ink. They don't have American missionaries helping them. They don't have any support from anywhere. So, but everybody, everybody nowadays, even if it's jungle and tribes, everybody has cell phones. Everybody has laptops and things like this. You say, why? How can such a poor country? Well, it wasn't, it, this, we're talking about only, you know, eight years ago. They were very prosperous, you know, so they can get things. People can get things. They may not have a house, but they'll have a cell phone today. They want to be connected. They want to communicate. So people will have cell phones. They might be old cell phones that are not quality, but they have, they have technology or means and things like this, devices and things like this. So the jungle missionary, the native jungle tribal village missionary, which is just a young, a young man in the church, he has to travel through the jungle and it takes him about two days and and he gets he gets to the Colombian river where the border is and he can get an internet wi-fi signal and through a laptop and through a he, he has a backpack with all the all the cell phones of people in his village so he's translating the bible into from spanish to their to their uh, tribal language and they they're using free software to translate the Bible, to get a free Wi-Fi signal, and then they download it one by one into the people's cell phones. And they download it. So, so far they did the book of John. And then the next time they'll do Matthew and so forth. And each time they'll do something like that and they'll keep updating it. They download it and then when it's downloaded, they'll put it in the backpack and they'll go walking back home another two days and just kind of, I tell them, where do you sleep? And they'll show me in their backpack, they got this bed. I think they call it a, a, a hammock bed, where it's just a string, you know, looks like a net. And they tie from one tree to another tree, and that's their bed. That's where they sleep. And uh, they have some fruit in their bag, and they just, they just kind of go hitchhiking, get a ride. And, and, uh, but the rest of it, they have to walk, because sometimes it's swamp, sometimes it's river, sometimes it's mountains, sometimes, you know, uh, it's trees, and just all these different places. But they know, they know their way around the jungle. So... This is how they are translating the Bible and translating the word of God in that Amazon village tribal region. So 
when I met them and I came across 22 of those village pastors had a meeting with me. One of my one of my village meetings, they had a meeting with me. They said, Brother Carlos, we have uh, prepared a document. It's just a, a written a written, you know, letter. But it is very detailed. It, it, it talked about how many church members they have, how many people in their villages. I mean, it was like a census of their villages. How many go to church? How many are lost? How many are saved? They gave me a whole census of their villages. And it was a document saying, Brother Carlos, please help us. We need tracts. We need Sunday school material. We need things. We need, and I, so I made the needs known. And I had one church respond to me and say, well, we will buy that, that jungle missionary who has to keep going and traveling. We'll buy them a motorcycle. So they cost $1,000. And so we, we were able to raise that money and send them $1,000 to be able to buy a motorcycle. So that jungle missionary, at least he can travel to the border and keep translating the Bible and keep doing these things. And, and, and not only that, but they use the motorcycle to, to connect to the other villages. And he's like a messenger. So, so they, when they have revivals and things, they have to have, they use him and use that motorcycle. So we were able to buy them a motorcycle. So now they can do that. They were celebrating on that day that, that they received that motorcycle. They were so happy. And so I'm trying to think how it's, you know, they got this software, but how can we one day give them a printed Bible that is in book form? They do have their language. They have their, their character letters. And, I, and so I'm, I'm praying about that. I'm trying to think. And, 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 but those things, maybe it can be printed in Mexico and then sent to Venezuela. So those are things that we're, we're looking at for the Amazon tribal village region of the interior of the jungle. Now, let me tell you, we had in our last meeting, which is a big stadium crusade with close to 5,000 people. I use a digital system to follow up the people. In fact, we use that system to register the people before the meeting by cell phone. Everybody has cell phones today, so they register through digital means. And so they give me, they give me their name, address, phone number, and all their information, their email and everything, their age. I even ask them their religious background, where they live, all these things. And that goes into my laptop Excel spreadsheet. So I I already know before the meeting how many people are coming. I already know. I already know who's coming because they give me their names and addresses. So I'm, I am using digital technology and, and, and so forth to, to be diligent to make sure that we use that information for the follow-up. So that I can give it to the pastors and the churches and say, well, we had so many people come from this part of the city. So the churches in that part of the city... They get the list. And then we had so many people come from the other across, across town. They get that list. And you have work to do while I come back to the States for another two or three months. And I travel and visit the churches and raise more money and so forth. You have to visit those people and disciple those people. And so that's how this works. They, when the, uh, that crusade, the pastor, the host pastor said, Brother Carlos, we're having 50 visitors every Sunday. Different from that 5,000 people. We're having 50 visitors in our church because they visit, you know, the city according to neighborhoods. And they said, we're totally overwhelmed. We don't, we don't fit in our building. We have to meet outside in open air and the, and the weather allows for that. But so that, that, that's what's happening. Let me tell you, we, let me tell you about this stadium crusade. So one church member who was a teenage boy 
He works as a motorcycle taxi. He, that's what his job is. He's a teenage boy. He owns a motorcycle, and he gives rides like a motorcycle taxi, and a lot of people do that. Now, uh, they make maybe $20 a week, and they work full-time 40 hours, you know, eight hours a day. So they make about $20 a week. So somebody like that, you know, he, he was a church member. He invited his other friend, who's, a, who's another motorcycle taxi. said, listen, come to the crusade. Uh, we're going to have an evangelist, and then we're going to have this big meeting. You've got to come. And he says, you know, he takes the invitation, which I do. Uh, what I do is I give tickets. It's an it's a entry, free entry. They can also register online through that ticket. So he, he said, I'm giving you a free ticket to come to that crusade. And he says, actually, I would like to take it, but I can't because on that day I have to work. I cannot afford to miss work. In fact, I already have my customer booked for that day. And, I, you know, I can't miss work because I got to get paid. And, of course, we don't even get paid a lot, so we cannot afford to cancel a day of work. So get, take this ticket back and give it to somebody who might come. So he declined the invitation. Well, when the stadium crusade was, ha- was, was happening, guess who shows up at the stadium? Well, the motorcycle taxi, you know, uh, boy comes. And his friend that invited him, the other motorcycle taxi, said, Hey, what are you doing here? I thought you were not able to come. I thought you were working today. And he says, I am. I picked up my customer and I asked him, So where do I take you? He said, Take me to the stadium crusade. And stay there, wait for me. And also... Take me back home. And I'm going to pay you the full, the full round trip for it. So uh, you're just, just going to have to follow it with me and stay with me in that crusade. So that was his job. He was working. And that motorcycle taxi boy got saved that day. Amen. You know, the Lord says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. You see? So... Sometimes we look at a lot of numbers and, and, and crowds and things, but every life has a story. Every life has a soul. Teenage girl, you know, because Venezuelans have migrated and left the country, a lot of parents have left their children. Teenage children, younger children, they left them with their grandparents, they left them with aunt and uncles, they left them by themselves. So there's a lot of children with no parents right now in that country. So... They've, they were coming, they were saying, some of these kids will come to church, teens will come, but sometimes the grandparents, they're not saved and they won't come. Teenage girl said, pray for my grandma to get saved. And she came to that stadium crusade and she got saved. So you see, there's different things, different testimonies, different people. The gospel is touching people's lives, but we have to have compassion on the multitudes. And look and look up, uh, lift up our eyes and look up and see the need. And of course, to have, have compassion. So God is working. The gospel, it will, it will not return void. The word of God, it will not return void. God is working in these different places and, and different meetings. The Bible says the kingdom of God is like a net. And that's kind of a theme that I have for my ministry. Jesus said to be fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So the Lord says to Peter, go and cast, cast a net. Okay, Lord, we've been all day. We've been toiling all night. We didn't catch anything. There's no fish here, but fine. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will do it. 
They just got done cleaning it because they got to take off all the seaweed and all that stuff and, uh, and maybe fix the net and patch it and things like that and sew it up again. And so he says, okay, Peter says to his, to his helpers, cast the net, big net. And the nets break, the Bible says. I'm talking about they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. And the net break. And you can just imagine those fish pulling everywhere. And they're starting to get excited, screaming and yelling for the other boat. Hey, come over and help us. Getting these other, these men saying, we, we have enough fish for everybody right here. You come over here and help us. Well, the Bible says that Peter feared the Lord. And he said, forgive me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Why did he fear? You know why? Because he only obeyed the Lord half-heartedly and halfway. You know why? Because the Lord did, did not say, cast the net into the water. The Lord said, cast the nets. So this was plural, but he just obeyed singular. He just put one net. He says, well, if you would have put two or three nets in the water, I was going to fill all of them up. It's kind of like. The prophet had told the king in the Old Testament, shoot all the arrows. Don't stop. I was, you're going to have six victories, but you're, now you're only going to have three victories, you see. So that's the same thing that happens to people sometimes, too, in churches. Don't just, don't just do things to appease your conscience. Say, well, we support missions. We give to law. We give, I give my tithe. I give what I'm supposed to give. And No, let's do what God wants us to do. Let's, let's cast the net. Let's see the gospel like a net. That's what I see stadiums. That's how I see my tent. When I set up my tent, I'm envisioning a big net. And that net is the kingdom of God. That's why we preach the gospel, to get people saved. So the Lord wants us to be fishers. I want you to see another text, please. Going back to agricultural, Matthew chapter 20, please. Notice Matthew chapter 20. I want you to see a closing verse in, in the word of God. In Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20 in this parable, this scripture where the Lord is talking about reaping the harvest or we're talking about fruit and the harvest and things and labors and workers in the field. Notice Matthew chapter 20 where it is the parable of the labors in the vineyard. I want you to pick it up in verse 6. The Bible says Matthew 20 and verse 6, And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man had hired us. He saith unto them, Go go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall you receive. So when the even was come, the Lord of the the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers, and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good men of the house, saying, these last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden in the heat of the day. So what, what's happening is, here are the labors for the, the vineyard. The Lord is saying, if you back up in some verses that we did not read, he just, said, he just hired them. He just said, okay, go work, I'll give you what's right. Did it again, go and work, I'll give you what's right. But here in verse 6 where we started, why stand ye idle? He didn't say that before, but now he's saying it. Now he says, what are you doing standing around with all that work that we have in the field? Why are you not involved? Is what he's saying. Why stand ye idle? So they go, they go work in the field. 
and then it's time for the paycheck. It's time to receive their wages or their salary. It's time to get paid. And some been working in the hot sun. And they, they said, well, if these who just worked for one hour, they got their wage, then we, they supposed they were going to get more because they've been early since early in the morning working in the hot sun. And the Lord is saying, you made them equal. And you pay, you're paying them the same that they just showed up at the last hour. They showed up at the last minute and they're getting paid the same as us. No fair. And they're complaining. But the Lord's saying, wait a minute, did you not agree with me? I do they no, I do they no wrong. Take that thine is and go thy way. You see, the Lord does not place the value on people's hourly wages. The Lord places the value on the all-encompassing work that it gets done. That's what the Lord is saying. In fact, he's saying, listen, those guys who showed up at the last hour, if they didn't show up and help you, maybe you would not have finished the job. And you know what that means, because I already told you. It makes the sowing meaningless, the planting, the watering. It makes all the prep work meaningless if you cannot finish. See, it's like in Mexico when they build a house, they build a little house. Maybe one or two men can do it by themselves. And they, do, they use bricks and blocks and cement work. And that's how they do uh, to, to build a house. And one or two men can do it. It takes them a couple of weeks, maybe, maybe a month or two. They can build it, depending on the size of the house. But at the end, when they're ready to finish that house, they have to put the roof. The way they put the roof, it's a cement roof. So they have to pour the cement It's not something that they can just do with one or two men. They put these wooden beams all over. They call all the, all the men in the neighborhood. They call the neighbors. And they, they come and help to pour the cement on that house so that they can finish the house. Because they take turns. Because one day it might be their house. It might be their turn. They need everybody to help them. So What if they say, well, the house is finished. It just needs a roof. It's just, it's 90% finished. So you can live in it 90%. No, you can't. If it doesn't have a roof, it's not ready. You can't live in it. It doesn't matter if the walls are nice, everything. It doesn't matter if it has nice furniture and everything. No roof. You can't live there. It's zero valuable. Zero. So it makes it valuable when they put the roof and finish. Then it makes it valuable. Say, wow, this house is finished. It's livable, you see? And the Lord wants us to, in missions, to look at the nations and to look at the harvest, the all-encompassing work of reaping the harvest of all the... You know, in Venezuela, they already sowed, they already planted, they already watered. We owe it to the American missionaries that gave their life and did a great work, by the way. We owe it to them to go in there now and finish the job. We owe it to them. We need to go... And to go, and so I'm very excited about my next trip in November, where we're going again to the city of Barquisimeto, where we had a hundred preachers. We're having another meeting again. This time it's a missions conference. Those the same crowd, same preachers. They're they're bringing more people and stuff, and and uh, an, another evangelistic meeting and different things. I want to bring them tracks and and uh, the one preacher from the Amazon is going to come to that meeting, and I'm bringing him a projector. It is a projector that shows the plan of salvation of, of, of the gospel in the tribal language of those tribes, of those villages. And so a mission agency gave it to me. I don't know how they got the language or I don't know how they made the, the movie, but it's a movie in that language. And so I have that projector and I'm going to take it and say, now you need to show all those villages and all that jungle. 
using that projector, the gospel story of salvation in their language. You see? And so we have to get the gospel. That's the most important thing. That is the biggest thing to reap the harvest. Let's bow our heads for prayer, please, with heads bowed and with our eyes closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. He that gives and he that goes may rejoice together. He that sends and he that preaches are one. Some sow, some plant, some water, some reap. God will bless us and reward us according to our labor. Are we just going to go fishing for little, little bluegill every now and then? Or are we going to start throwing the nets? In this fishing hotspot, the schools or fish are ready for a big net. Why stand ye idle? The gospel is no gospel unless it is preached. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you might say, Brother Carlos, today God spoke to me and God opened my eyes to bring awareness of world missions and to bring awareness and to to get an idea of the all-encompassing work of reaping the harvest. Maybe God spoke to you, Pastor, would you come with every head bowed and every eye closed? Are you involved in missions? If not, why stand ye idle? With every head bowed and every eye closed.